Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Today we are continuing our series, uh, a year-long series, on the three journeys. Uh, A couple weeks ago, Cameron was here January... January 1st, talking about an overview of the inward, upward, and outward journeys. And this is what we're going to be talking about uh, for the whole year. So if you missed that one, I encourage you to go to newdaycommunitychurch.org um, and all the, the sermon archives are available to, to listen to there at, at the website. But today, and for this first trimester of the year, we are focusing on the inward journey. Deal, answering the question, who am I? Dealing with the, the stuff or the, the junk in our lives that keeps us from living the, the full, abundant lives that God wants us to live and things that keep us from knowing Christ in all of his fullness. So we're journeying uh, towards spiritual growth. And, and the definition that we're using for spiritual growth comes from Robert Mulholland's fantastic little book, Invitation to a Journey. And I encourage you guys uh, uh, to, to get a hold of that book. I think you can get it for like nine bucks on, on Amazon or something. And you can read it along with our series um, this year. And it's, gonna be, it's just going to be a real blessing. Robert Mulholland is really, really good. And he defines spiritual growth as the process of being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And hopefully everybody's going to have that memorized uh, in the next couple weeks. We keep repeating it, right? The process of being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And the, the truth is that this definition is the same for me. It is the same for you. Uh, it's the same for Cameron. It was the same for the Apostle Paul. Everybody, the, this definition is the same for them. We are all in process. Not a single one of us has arrived, but we are all called to keep on pursuing this process of transformation. And we're going to be looking today at the book of Philippians, specifically chapter 3, verse 12 to to 14. And Paul likens this process to a race. And he encourages his readers to keep on running the race, to keep on pursuing spiritual growth, to keep on pursuing Jesus. And we're going to see that we can't allow anything in our past, whether it's good or bad or otherwise, to keep us from running after Jesus, right? That would stop us. We can't let anything stop us from pursuing our prize, which is knowing Jesus Christ. We can't finish, we can't quit the race before it's over. A few months ago, uh, Amber, my wife Amber, and my daughter Emma and I were on our way home from Detroit, we went and saw a great concert, uh, St. Paul and the Broken Bones. They're like this kind of new retro soul and R&B group. They're great. That doesn't matter to the story. We were in Detroit, I think, at the Fillmore, and we're leaving that night, heading back to to Kalamazoo. We had a great time. And the the night of the concert happened to be the, the same night as a certain game, game number seven of the 2016 World Series. And we, uh, we're, Amber and I aren't huge sports fans, but I, wa- I married into a big Cubs family. Uh, uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, big Cubs fans, right? Uh, Amber's brother, Adam, is a fanatic uh, Cub fan. I know there's a bunch of Cub fans 
here, uh, Lou and Israel and others probably. And I've got a ton of friends in Kalamazoo that were Cubs fans. Cubs fans were coming out of the woodworks, right? And it was really exciting. And so we're on our way home. It's late at night. We're like, well, I guess we could listen to the Cubs game. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, great. And, uh, and so it was great. And so we turn on uh, the game, and it's like in the fifth or sixth inning or something. And what had gotten the Cubs to this point, right, it was like, I think I read that it was like the sixth time in history that a, a, a baseball team had come back from three games to one. They were down three games to one to ultimately win the, the World Series. And so they had fought back. Here they are in game seven. Uh, the winner of this wins the championship. And it's in the sixth or seventh inning, and the score is six runs to three. Right? And we're all excited. Right? And as we know how the, the, the game goes on, it kind of goes back and forth. The Indians come back, and there's a rain delay, and we're in extra innings, and all this stuff happens. Right? But ultimately, the, the Cubs pull it out. Right? They, they win the game. They fly the W, as they say. Uh, and, uh, and it was really exciting, and Amber and I were excited, it was fun, it was really fun, and I think the game ended like right as we were pulling into our driveway, so it was the perfect way to, to spend that trip home. But imagine, if, if you will, uh, the, it's the sixth or seventh inning, the, the, the Cubs are like, man, we are up six games to, or six runs to three, you know what, we've come back, look how far we have come, we've really, we've really fought back, and here we are, we're going to win this thing, this is great, and they're high-fiving, and they're exulting in all of their accomplishments, and then they're just like, you know what, this is good, we've really done something, let's go get a pizza, right? We, you know, like, we know that is ridiculous, right? If they don't finish the game, they're going to lose, Right? And how many games have been decided in those last few moments, right? in the last few minutes or the last few seconds of the game? And so I did a quick Google search to see, you know, what are some of the, the, the biggest comebacks right, in, in sports history? And it's football season, so I uh, looked at that. And it, maybe some of you might remember some of these games. In 2003, the Colts... Uh, uh, scored 21 points in the, in the last five minutes of a Monday night football game to defeat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right? They're down, uh, what does it say? They're down 28 to 7 in the fourth quarter. Probably people were like, you know what? This game is over. Right? We're gonna, we're gonna get out of here. You know, maybe we can beat the crowd. We can get a burger on our way home. Whatever. And they leave and all of a sudden they hear on the radio that Peyton Manning comes back, right? And, and gets the victory for the Colts. Amazing. The game isn't over until that final buzzer. Or in 1993, uh, this, according to Wikipedia, was, uh, the, the greatest or the biggest comeback in NFL history. The Buffalo Bills Woo! beat the Houston. Oh, that, 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 oh, that surprised me. Buffalo Bills. Go Bills. Um, and so they were behind 35-3 to in the second half. And their quarterback, some guy by the name of Frank Reich, throws four touchdowns to lead them to a 41-38 to victory. All right? And that's amazing. Everybody was counting them out. They can't do this. Bill Menser told me that Frank Reich was like their, their backup quarterback, too. Interesting. Really? Oh, I'm so glad. And so what we can, what we can learn from these games, right, is that the, the game isn't over until that final buzzer, until that final out, right? Whether you are in the lead, right, you can't stop playing the game. You gotta push through till the end. And even if you're behind, right, you know that as long as there's time on the clock, we are going for it. 
and we're going to do this. And so this is similar uh, to our own journey towards knowing Jesus, right? The, the race isn't over until it's over. And we can have to remember that we can't allow anything in our past to stop us from winning the race, right? We can't let what happened last week or yesterday or when we were a kid or whatever stop us from pursuing Jesus and knowing Christ. All right, so we're going to turn uh, to Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to read our text for this morning. It is Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is pressing on, it says there in verse 14, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize. And so what is Paul talking about here? What is the prize? And as we kind of zoom out of these couple of verses and look in this context, Paul is saying the prize is Jesus. The prize, the goal that he's running after is knowing Christ more and more and more. The, the prize for Paul, the prize for us that keeps us running the race is eternal salvation, right? We have an eternal hope that we're running towards, right? We, uh, we are running after this prize of becoming more and more Christ-like. This is part of the process, right? That we become more like Jesus. We uh, get the prize of being uh, restored more and more to what God initially and originally intended for us. The prize is living our lives with more and more freedom. And there's so many good things that, that we get that are part of knowing Jesus. All the, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we want love and joy and peace and patience and all those good things. And those are part of the prize as we run towards Jesus. And this is just an awesome thing, right? This isn't some race that, or some heavy burden that as Christ followers, we gotta go run after Jesus. Oh man, what a burden, what a pain, right? But this is life, and this is joy, and this is freedom. And as we run towards the goal, we become better at life, we find more freedom, and we do life better as we run towards Jesus. And so we want to know Christ. And that is what Paul was talking about. In Philippians 3.10, his cry is that I want to know Christ. That's the first part of Philippians 3.10. I want to know Jesus. I want to know Christ. And as I was preparing for this message, I was like, oh yeah, he wants to know Christ. And I was like, wait a second, I'm pretty confident that Paul already knew Christ, right? Didn't he already meet Jesus? Like there seemed to be an incident right outside of Damascus and he gets kicked off a horse and Jesus shows up, right? And he's like, Paul, or at that time, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads, right? And so Paul, he's not saying, I want to know Christ like it's this like, to-do list, all right, I, now I know Christ and now I'm going to move on with my life. But he's saying that there is more. There is more knowing Christ that is available. There is more hope 
There is more peace. There is more joy. There is more life that is available as we pursue Jesus. And this doesn't happen by accident. We see in the, in the scriptures that a lot of the, the verbiage used for pursuing Jesus and pursuing God is active. It's run the race, seek first the kingdom, ask, seek, and knock. All these kind of active uh, verbs used for trying to get access or attain or to know Jesus more. Right? Even entering into rest, the author of Hebrews says, strive to enter into that rest. And so there is action that is necessary in order for us to achieve our goal. And as we know, as we've seen in our lives, if there is something that is worthwhile to achieve or to get a hold of, it takes effort, right? You know, it takes effort, right? If you want to be a great mom, that doesn't happen by accident. That happens by laying down your own life, serving when you're serving this little person when you're tired or sick or hungry or whatever. You know, it's, you're on their schedule. You have to lay yourself down to, to be a great mom. It doesn't happen by accident. Or if you want to be a great musician, you can't just turn up with a guitar one day and just be like, I'm a musician now. No, you have to learn the fundamentals. You've got to learn the scales. You've got to build up calluses on your fingers. You have to go through the, the blood, sweat, and tears that, that gets you to that level of, of excellence that you want to be at. And we know that if there's something that's worth doing, it takes effort. My son Josh is 16, and he's into video games. He's a video gamer, as many 16-year-olds are. Right? And he plays one game uh, more than any other, probably 95% of the time that we... Uh, let him play video games. He's playing this game called Super Smash Brothers, and it's this like cartoony fighting game. I, I can't quite figure out why it's so popular. He even watches people play it on YouTube. Watching other people play video games on YouTube, it's a it's a thing. It's a thing now. It's weird. Anyway, and so Josh is really into this game, Super Smash Brothers, and he's even gone. There's a, a game store in Kalamazoo where you can go and you pay five bucks and you can enter into this into this tournament and you get to to play the games. And he's dedicated, man, and so he doesn't, he practices, he's going for it, he's studying, he doesn't let anything get in the way uh, of him becoming a better Smash Brothers player. You know, it doesn't matter if he has chores to do, no. Got homework, no. I'm playing Smash Brothers because I have a goal. Just kidding. He's, he's a good boy. He said I could tell that story. He's, he does his chores, I'm just joking. But the idea, right, is that he is... is pressing into it like he wants this is important to him and he knows that he can't just turn up to the tournament and and win he's got to put the work in outside of it right so if something's worth doing it's worth the effort and so paul in philippians 3 12 to 14 gives us two ideas for how we should run this race this active race towards pursuing jesus and that is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead all right, so first, Paul says, forget what is behind. He says that in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. You see, Paul didn't allow his past, either the good stuff in that or the, the bad stuff in his past, to negatively impact his pursuit of the prize, of knowing Jesus. And in a few verses before this, in verse 4, uh, we can see that Paul has a pretty good resume uh, coming into the kingdom. 
Philippians 3.4 says, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am from the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. And so here's this resume of his Jewish accomplishments. Right? And he's saying all this because there's this group of people in um, Philippi called the, the Judaizers. And the Judaizers are these Jewish believers, and they are trying to get their minds wrapped around this idea that God has invited the Gentiles into the family of God. Right? And they're like, okay, this, this is kind of hard for me to get my mind wrapped around, but it seems that, that God has poured out the same Holy Spirit on the Gentiles that he's poured out on us, and so they're part of the, the kingdom of God. Okay, well, at least they need to start acting Jewish, right? At least they could start reading the Torah, maybe following the Torah. they got to get circumcised. Come on. they got to be more Jewish. And, and Paul says, oh, you think you need to be a good Jew to, to get into the kingdom, to be part of God's family, to really know Jesus? Well, here are all my accomplishments. Look at, you know, I'm an Israelite, right? I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. You know, you know I would, he says, for righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. He's basically saying, guess what? I'm like the best Jew there is. I'm like the best Jew there is. And I consider all that garbage. That stuff is garbage. And so the Judaizers, who would have put a lot of stock in these things, would have been like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the important stuff. That is what we need to, to pursue and, and, and go after. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Our righteousness doesn't come from our Jewishness. It doesn't come from anything that we can attain or we can achieve in ourselves. But our righteousness only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if Paul couldn't put any confidence in his Jewishness, or he didn't put any confidence in his Christian accomplishments, right? Neither could these Judaizers, and neither can you and I. The only thing that really matters, the only thing that counts, says Paul, is knowing Christ. And so part of this inward journey is forgetting what is behind, the good and the bad. And we could say, well, that's the, the Jewish stuff. Yeah, Paul kind of walked away from that. But look at all the amazing Christian accomplishments that he had, right? He is building up the church. He's on missionary journeys. He's raising up leaders. He wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Like that is the stuff that he can kind of rest in and just coast the rest of the way. But even Paul, in the midst of all these accomplishments, says in verse 12, I have, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived, but I am continuing to press on. The good stuff and the bad stuff in my past, it doesn't matter. What matters is knowing Christ. And Paul had some bad stuff. We read about this uh, in Acts chapter 9. He's on his way to Damascus, and Jesus meets him, kicks him off the horse, um, and blinds him, and he says, all right, Paul, now go into Damascus, and there's going to be a guy there by the name of Ananias, and he's going to pray for you, and you'll be able to see again and you're going to fulfill what I've called you to do. And so Paul's like, okay. And then the scripture says that Jesus went to Ananias' house, right? And we don't know what this looked like. It just says that the Lord spoke to Ananias. 
But he comes and he's like, Ananias, there's a guy by the name of Saul. He's coming into town. And I told him that you would seek him out and that you would pray for him and that he would be able to see again. And he is going to do great things for me. And Ananias is like, huh. Well, there, I mean, that's an idea, God. Um, but I've actually heard about this Saul guy. Like, I have heard how he has been persecuting your church. Right? And I've heard that he's come to Damascus to arrest your people, right? to stomp out uh, the, the people that are running after you. I don't know if this is such a good idea. Right? Because Ananias, he knew what kind of a guy Saul was. He was a murderous persecutor of the church. Right? But even that stuff, the, the junk in his life, Paul did not allow that bad stuff to paralyze him from fulfilling the call that he uh, was given when Jesus got a hold of him. Right? And so in the same way, just like Paul didn't let his good accomplishments or the, the bad sinful junk from his past stop him from running the race, the same is true for you and for me. We can't look back. We can't look back at what has happened in our past. Right? As, we, as we run the, the race, right, in the natural, we know that if you look back, you can get distracted, you slow down, you could stumble, and we don't want to allow anything that might keep us from uh, attaining this prize, from achieving the goal for which we are running. And so the question this morning, is there, is there stuff in your past that you should be forgetting? That you're keeping, uh, that's keeping you from really pressing in and knowing Jesus. That's keeping you from pursuing these spiritual journeys that we're talking about this year. And maybe it's good stuff. Maybe you're kind of resting on, you know, past service. You know, past tithing. Past uh, uh, attendance at church. Maybe a past incredible experience that you had with Jesus and you're like, man, look at all I've done. Look at all I've accomplished. Look where I've been. I have arrived. I'm pretty sure I can just coast in from here. Or is there, <laughs> or is there, is there, you know, is there bad stuff in your, in your past that you're allowing to, to paralyze you from pursuing Jesus? You know, is there shame or doubt or fear or worry, or a persistent sin that is keeping you from running after Jesus with all that you have. I encourage you to forget that, to put it behind you, and, and, and run the race. Now, the race where our eyes are focused forward. I think I got a picture of a gentleman by the name of Usain Bolt, who is a real fast runner. And, uh, and, we, and we see in, in this picture, right, uh, Usain Bolt just going for it in his eyes, as well as the, the eyes of the, the other two, I think those are the American runners, are focused on the goal, right? They are not looking at each other. They're not looking at where they've been. They know where they're, they're going, and they're not letting anything stop them from winning the race. They're pressing on with all that they have. And so, and we see, and this goes right into Paul's um, next encouragement. He says, forget what is in the past, but strain towards what is ahead. I'm forgetting what's in the past, and I'm straining towards what is ahead. 
And he says in verse 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And in the ESV, this is, um, it's translated, I press on uh, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And really that I press on could also be translated, I keep running, I keep running. I'm moving, I'm racing with all of my strength, with all that I have. I'm running after the prize, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the upward call of God, that's something I've seen that. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've seen it on a lot of magnets and, you know, and Christian t-shirts, the upward call of God. And I've always been like, man, what? what does that really mean? You know, I've got some ideas floating around there. But as I was preparing this message, I was like, man, this is important. This is what Paul is saying is the prize. So when he said the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, what is he talking about? And so I was doing some research, and in the Word Bible commentary, uh, the, the Philippians version, I can't remember the authors, so I apologize, uh, but they, he gives this illustration that in the, the first century, the, the Olympic Games would have been held at, at these times, right? And most of these, uh, the Olympic Games, were foot races and sometimes chariot races. And the, the Olympic Games were overseen by a, a chief judge who had some, some other judges. And, and so these guys handed out all the prizes. The judges handed out all the prizes and kind of watched to see who won the races. And so when somebody wins the, the race, uh, the crowd erupts, and everybody's excited. Yay, good job. And the, the judge calls the winner forward, and he does three things. So it's the upward call. He's calling the, the winner of the race upward, and he says their name. He says their father's name. He says the, the country that they come from. And then he gives them a, an olive branch, which is the symbol, that, which is their, their prize. Right? And so that is kind of the picture of the upward call of Christ Jesus. So imagine Paul is writing this, and he's using this illusion of the foot race, and he's talking about achieving or attaining that upward call. And in his mind, he's straining towards Jesus Christ. He's straining towards the goalpost. He's straining and running towards the end of the race. And, and he can picture winning, crossing the finish line, winning the race. And Father God stands up. The, the, the crowd is cheering. And the Father says, this is Paul, my precious son, heir of the kingdom of God. Come and receive your prize. And Paul, the prize being knowing Christ, is, sees Jesus face to face for the very first time. And this is what he's talking about. This is what he's writing about. This is what makes all the difficulties and the persecutions and the troubles and the trials worth it because he knows that once he finishes his race, there is going to be applause in heaven and the Father is going to call him up, right? And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Right? And this is the same thing that you and I as Christ followers are running after. We are running after the upward call, right? To, to, to hear God call our name and say, well done. In Hebrews 12, the author says it like this. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So he says, throw off everything that hinders. Get rid of all the sin that would tangle you up. Don't let anything stop you from running this race. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the one who has blazed the trail, the one who has already run this race and done it victoriously, who has empowered you and is running with you every step of the way. Press on toward the prize. Right? Press on to hear the Father say, right, this is Amber, my beloved daughter, heir of the kingdom of heaven. Come, receive your prize and you know christ fully completely for all eternity right here press on to hear the father say this is lou right my beloved son heir of the kingdom of god come and receive your prize and you are brought face to face with jesus for all eternity this is our goal. This is our prize. This is our pursuit. This is why we're spending a year talking about running these races or walking these journeys about pursuing knowing the more that is available in Jesus Christ. And so, I think I skipped a couple there. That's all right. So spiritual maturity is defined by our ability to keep on running. It's not achieving a plateau. It's not we've done this, we've been there. But it is a continual running as long as it is today. Right? We uh, grow by forgetting what is behind, not assuming that we have already arrived, not disqualifying ourselves because of our past. But we grow by throwing off everything that's, that hinders. We grow by throwing off the sin that entangles us. We grow by straining toward what is ahead, the upward call of God, and ultimately receiving our prize. Well done, good and faithful servant. And meeting Jesus face to face. And so today we've got a couple minutes left. I just would encourage you to take a minute just to, to think about your own inward journey. And let's just ask the Lord a question this morning. Just ask him, Jesus, is there something in my life, is there something good or bad that is keeping me from running this race well? And we're just going to take a minute and just wait on the Lord this morning. Jesus, is there something in my life, good or bad, that is keeping me from running this race well? Maybe as we were waiting, a memory popped into your mind or a thought. Maybe as soon as the question uh, came out, you knew exactly what it was that was holding you back. And I just encourage you, and we're going to dive into more of these as, as the, the series goes on, but if, it's, if there's an ungodly belief, if there's something in you 
that doesn't line up for Scripture that you have been living your life based on, I just encourage you to repent of that, to ask Jesus to reveal the truth. You know, and maybe there is a, a persistent sin in your life, and I just encourage you to repent and, and to find someone who you can talk to, who can help you walk out victory in that thing so that you can run this race. And maybe it's guilt or, or shame from something in your past. I just want you to know that God loves you. He's chosen you and He has called you to be His son and daughter. He is faithful and just to forgive you if you repent. And maybe you realize that you're kind of resting on some good work, some experience that you had in the past, or you have this attitude that you've already arrived, that you have already paid your dues, that you have done enough. just encourage you to, to repent and run the race today. Pursue knowing Jesus more today. And just remember, in closing, that Jesus alone is our righteousness. And so it's all about knowing Jesus. And if you're here today and you've never made a personal decision to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I just want to invite you to do that. You don't need to do anything before coming to Him. You don't need to clean yourselves up because He died to save all of us while we were in open rebellion against Him. All right? Salvation is not about what we do, but what Jesus has done. And the Gospel of John says that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. That's amazing. It's amazing good news, right? That Jesus didn't come to condemn us, even though that is what we deserve. He came to save us. And all we need to do is to confess that we believe in Him and submit to His Lordship. And so I'm just going to lead a prayer this morning. And if you want to pray this for the first time, I encourage you to do that. Or you want to recommit your life to the Lord this morning, you can pray along with me as well. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. And I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and into my life. Lord, I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. Amen. Awesome. If you prayed that prayer this morning, welcome to the family.